0: Well, this has been quite a week, hasn't it? I mean, even just the last 72 hours has felt like a whirlwind. Someone told me two days ago that this feels like 9-11 and the Great Recession and Hurricane Irma all rolled into one. I think they're right about that. And this, this is also one of those very rare occasions when the sermon that I thought I was going to preach today went through an entire makeover, a total rewrite just yesterday morning. And while we've been making plans earlier this week to suspend on-campus worship and programming, we thought we were going to start that this upcoming week. We didn't start the week thinking we were going to do that today. This has certainly felt for you and for me and for so many people like a, like a roller coaster of emotions, an instability and uncertainty. But you know what? True to form, just like God always does, the Bible has something to tell us. And it just turns out that the very Scripture that we had already planned for today is exactly the word that we need to hear in this very moment. Because I can't help but imagine that the Israelites in the Scripture reading today could pretty much understand what you and I are feeling right now now. I mean, after all, they'd been through the absolute ringer with the ups and downs of life, feeling prey to forces that they felt were pretty much beyond their control. I mean, they weren't dealing with an infectious disease, but those Israelites were dealing with a a global threat. That's what the book of Judges is all about. In in Judges, it's one story after another of an invading army that's threatening their livelihood and threatening their well-being. And for a while, they thought they had that threat contained. And then there was another spike. And then for a while, there was another moment of peace where they thought, you know, I think we're going to make it. And then the sporting events got canceled. And then the schools got canceled. And for a while, they thought maybe they could make it. And then Disney World closed down. And Broadway shut down. And and Jerusalem Walmart started to reduce its hours. I think the only thing that remained open was Israelite Waffle House, if if I understand correctly. And then there are the churches. The churches started doing stuff like this, right? I mean, that's that's really the, the most unsettling thing of all, at least for me and maybe for you. I guess I can really understand in a much more vivid way than I ever have before exactly why those Israelites in that moment believed they needed a king. It it wasn't just so much jealousy of all the other empires. I'd always thought that the reason they wanted a king was because all the other nations had one. God, why can't we have a king like all the other countries? No, I think now the reason they wanted a king was because of comfort. Stability, a return to normalcy, a, a, a renewed sense of routine, a semblance of the familiar. I think that's what a king represented for them. And that's really what we were craving right now, some sense of, of constancy and steadiness and routine and rhythm. I mean, we we felt it just a few weeks ago. For those of us who live here uh, in Tampa, particularly in the South Tampa area, you might remember uh, those stretch of days when all of the railroad crossings here in South Tampa got shut down for construction. Do you remember all the log jam of traffic and the the disruption to our rhythms and our routines? It It wasn't just an inconvenience. It wasn't just an annoyance. It was a disruption to our rhythms. As it turns out, that was nothing compared to what you and I are feeling right now. So, when the Israelites said, we want a king, you know what they were really saying? What they were really saying is, we want a sense of steadiness in the midst of uncertainty. We want this roller coaster to stop. And you know, for a while, they they thought they had one. They thought that God had given them exactly what they needed in their very first king, King Saul. I mean, Saul was strong, he he was charismatic, he was a force of nature, he he conquered all of those enemies, he brought them all sorts of victories. They thought that that king was exactly what the doctor ordered. But over time, they learned something about Saul that looks can be deceiving. And those things that you thought you could turn to for comfort— Those things you thought you could turn to for steadiness and normalcy don't always last. So, as God often does in these kinds of situations, God gave the Israelites a second chance to learn a very, very important lesson, the very same lesson that you and I need to hear today. They needed a reminder of what is most important in times of uncertainty, times like these. A reminder that God always gives us exactly what we need, that something special for times like these. And that critical key lesson came to them in the most surprising person who came from the most unsuspecting conditions, the person you would least expect to offer strength and encouragement and comfort and normalcy just based on his outward appearance. David, make no mistake about it, was a scrawny kid. He was just a singing shepherd out in the fields. He was the last person you would ever imagine to bring the Israelites that sense of comfort and stability. But the prophet Samuel said something to his father Jesse that I think is the word that we have needed to hear this whole time. Samuel said to Jesse, Do not look on his outward appearance or on the height of his stature, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. What is it that David can teach us today? The character of a faithful person. It's a matter of the heart. It's the ability to trust God with our whole heart, no matter what kind of craziness is happening in the world today. What matters is what's happening in your heart. To trust God with the part of ourselves that no one else can see. To continue to love And serve and worship God and to love others regardless of our circumstances. That's who David was. That's what he brought to the people. And no, he wasn't perfect. I mean, the the Bible is very clear that he had some major league flaws about him. But God still used him to show the Israelites and to show you and me the very thing that we need to hear right now that in the midst of fear and uncertainty, The only things that you can control are really the only things that matter. Your character, your commitment to God, and your love for other people. You know, when John Wesley wrote a sermon called The Character of a Methodist, he said that there is just one thing that needs to distinguish you from everyone else in the world. That the love of God is shed abroad in your heart don't pay attention to outward appearances, Samuel said, because God is only looking at your character, your commitment, your ability to love others in times of need. What's in your heart? That's our message for today. And you know what? The good news is at this church, we're all about that. When we talk about making God's love real, that's exactly what we mean, loving God, loving all. Deepening our love for God in our spiritual practices and widening the reach of God's love for all kinds of people. And do you know what? Regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of the craziness that's in our times, regardless of what changes that we've had to make here at Hyde Park in terms of our on-site programming during this season of disruption, you and I are still the church. Just as vital and just as important as ever before, because it is not bricks and mortar that define the church. It is not a full slate of on-campus scheduled programming that defines the church. It is not outward appearance that defines the church. It is your heart, it is my heart, it is our commitment to God, to love God and love all. That's what has always defined this church And that will never change. And here's why. Seven phrases. Worship, small group, service, generosity, reading scripture, invitation, and prayer. Those are the real building blocks of the church. And those are constant. Those are unwavering, even in the midst of fear and uncertainty. And it's something that you and I can still practice even when we're not physically gathering together. I want to quickly walk through all seven and just give you some really practical ways that you can still be the church in all seven areas during these uncertain days ahead. Number one, worship. I mean, obviously, you're experiencing what worship can be and, 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 and could be over these next several weeks. For now, worship will be live streamed online just as you're experiencing right now. I will still be preaching through the texts of the Bible Project in our year through the Bible. You will still experience amazing music like you already have. There will still be prayers and liturgies that will lift all of us up and connect us together at 9.30 and 11 o'clock every Sunday. And we're even adding something special over these next several weeks. Starting this week, members of your clergy team, all five of us, Are going to begin a daily rotation Monday through Friday going on Facebook Live so that we can share with you a time of prayer, a very brief reflection, some daily readings, so that we can stay connected to you and you can stay connected to us and we can all stay connected together. It'll be a great way to remember that worship doesn't always have to happen with a physical gathering, it happens when the people of God unite their hearts together in love, and in worship. Second, small groups. We encourage your small groups to stay connected even though they're probably not going to be meeting physically together, stay connected, study those scriptures, especially if you're part of the Bible Project 2020 this year. We encourage you to meet via email and Facebook and Zoom or conference call. And our Bible Project Facebook page will be a great way for you to stay current on the readings and interact with all of us who are on this journey together. Third, service, pay attention to to ways that you can serve other people in need, particularly those that you know, those who are around you who are most vulnerable to disease. Drop them a message, give them a call, send them a text, let them know that they're not alone. I love what one person said on the news the other day, social distancing does not mean social isolation. And the people of God in this church need to stay connected with people who are most vulnerable. Uh, I also love something that I saw on uh, social media just yesterday. Someone was circulating a great idea on a Facebook post to remember your local businesses here in the area, Uh, that they're suffering in many other ways as well, economically and other ways. So a great idea might be for you to very briefly go into that local business and buy a gift card from them and simply say to them, I'm, I'm cheering you on. I support you. I wish you well. I'm buying this gift card, and I promise you that when I come back, when this whole thing is over, I will come back. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this economic community. Service also includes open arms, by the way. Uh, we will continue our open arms ministry as, uh, as we have in the past, except we're going to modify it. Uh, even this morning, we were serving homeless guests, I think over 180 of them outside the Harnish Activity Center, uh, giving them to-go lunch, to-go meals, uh, boxed meals, and we will continue to serve those very precious guests in the, in the weeks ahead. Number four, I can't underscore this one enough. Give generously. We know that all of this is just temporary. This is just a temporary situation. And when our full slate of programming comes back you and I will return to the level of excellence in ministry that we have come to know about this church, which means that your financial generosity still really matters uh, during these weeks ahead. So, I encourage you to keep on giving. In fact, you can go to our website, Sally already mentioned it to you, to go to give and learn how to give securely and safely through your credit card, through PayPal, through text message, or even better, through automatic electronic funds transfer. Number five, read the Scripture. You can still read the Bible during this time of disruption. In fact, it may be the best thing that you do. Our journey through the Bible will continue with our daily readings, and if you haven't already, go to BibleProject2020.com, stay current on the readings, the podcasts will still come out as planned, the daily devotionals, you know, if if today is any evidence, God will speak a word through each of these prior planned scriptures, exactly the word of encouragement that you and I need to hear each and every day. Please keep reading these, these texts and find insights during these uncertain times number 6 invitation you can still invite people to worship with us especially worshiping with us online in fact if you're worshiping with us on facebook live right now just click that little share button and put it on your on your uh homepage on your facebook page and let people know that if they need a word of encouragement uh, not only today but in these facebook lives that we're going to be doing throughout the week there's a way for them to get to know this church. And it will be a great way to say, you know what, if you like this church online, I'd love for you to come and worship with us live when this church gets back on on page there. Finally, prayer. If you have any prayer needs that come up along the way, we want to know about them. Uh, Sally already shared with you the website as to how you can submit your prayer requests and your praises to us, and we would love to be able to pray for you. You know, King David knew a lot about prayer. In fact, many of the Psalms are written as prayers that are attributed to him. We don't know for sure that he wrote them, but a lot of them are modeled after his heart. And one of those Psalms is Psalm 91, which I will invite us to pray together as a close to this sermon The idea to do this came from a text message that I received from Reverend Kathy Connor. She's one of the co-pastors at First Presbyterian Church here in downtown Tampa, and she is inviting us and other churches to pray the words of Psalm 91, not just today, but every day for the next 91 days. Psalm 91 for 91 days, and and here's why. Uh, She told me the story of how back in 2014, She joined colleagues in Africa in reading and praying Psalm 91 during the tragic outbreak of the Ebola virus. And this is what she said. She said, during the week of the 91st day, the New York Times reported that the Ebola virus finished in the epicenter of Liberia, much to the amazement of scientists and health officials. So I can't think of a better way for us to close this sermon and to begin this weird season of uh, transition for us as a church to read this daily Scripture, to read this Scripture together, um, and for you to include it in your daily readings over the days and weeks to come. So we invite you to follow along, speak it out loud wherever you are as we close in this prayer together. Let us pray. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.